A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. Time you're an investigator? More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. I'm not a teen. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, where I was nearly tortured to death. Become evil again. You're a demon hunter. Rogue demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. Hello! What's up, buddy? Welcome to Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And on today's episode, we are reviewing Season 2, Episode 13, Happy Anniversary! Hap, 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 happy! Happy, happy, joy, joy, (laughs) is what anniversaries do and are for. Sure. Yeah, as this episode very clearly uh, depicts. Yes. As you'll see. <laughs> and since it's, we got an exciting episode for you today, guys. Super exciting. There, there's no irony to that title at all. What's irony, Rex? I, I prefer steel. You know, statistically, none of us know what irony is. Aluminium is really <laughs> the best, if you ask me. <laughs> That's definitely not irony. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I feel great. feel just fine. Because, yeah, we don't have any more iTunes reviews today, guys. That's that's what I like. That's what I asked for. (laughs) It doesn't make me saddy-sad. Not even a little bit, but guess what? Oh, sorry, what? Fuck-a-doodle-doo, Rex. <laughs> Would you do the honors? I suppose I can. We have our lovely list of executive doodle-doos. They are... They are... David Scharinghausen, Taylor Jordan Guy, Cubby Seal, Mr. Tabalicious... Sandra Craig, Jay Sommer, Christina, Catherine Parkinson, Karen Moon, Chris V-Man, Pat likes turtles. I like turtles. <laughs> I like turtles. Tell me about your turtles, Pat. <laughs> Scarlet Choi, Janella Lindauer, Cat Naming Service Heaps. Hey, get on that, see? We've already named your cat. You're slacking. <laughs> You're getting greedy. Andy Burgess, Kefro Gnome, Father Defenestrato, Methuen DeBurr, Kelly MC, Jesse Rain, and Carrie Phillips. Thank you so much. Without you, this show literally isn't possible. Hey, Rex. Hey, what? You know who likes turtles? Who likes turtles? I think I think Pat likes turtles. I, I think Pat likes turtles as well. You know who likes clubbing seals? <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not Cubby the Seal. I, I, I would... Uh... I would take care to say things like that on a recording because, you know, someone might, you know, duplicate it and take it out of context. Good for them. (laughs) Fucking over all these small podcasters. (laughs) Look at you changing the world. (laughs) Fuck you if you don't like my dark humor. Well, (laughs) I'm picking on uh, the ye old Cubby the Seal here for a reason. Guess what? You won the goddamn hoodie. Because Karen Hart Joe and Redfish Bluefish 
didn't contact us. So yeah. they don't love us anymore and they don't want our free shit. So we're giving it to you, Copy the Seal, because we drew randomly number four out of the hat out of 37 written reviews on iTunes. And that is Cubby the Seal. So Cubby the Seal, come on down. Uh, send us a message on Facebook or Twitter or email us or give us a call and we can get the information to get you that free hoodie. Damn right. Let us know if you want the Angel logo or the Beer with Buffy logo or the Combo logo. Yeah. Uh, combo logo might be exactly what you think it is. It is both Yep. the Beer with Buffy and the Ale with Angel logo all on one hoodie. Yes. Woo! Uh, yeah. So if anybody's wondering what this is all about, uh, we've been running a review drive for fucking ages now. Yeah. And trying to give away this hoodie. Uh, can't even give them away. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. And uh, I'm sorry to even say their names in the same sentence. Um, I don't know. It's like saying Father, Spirit, and the Holy Ghost. They're all the same thing. And yet three separate entities? I don't know. I, a, a religion pastor, is weird. Yeah, a pastor literally told me that one time. Religion is weird. <laughs> and uh, he was an asshole, so he can go fuck himself. But uh, the point here is, if you want to get in on this review drive, all you have to do is review us on iTunes, which is entirely free to you. Just make up a free iTunes account, review us on there. I hate that Apple has so much sway over, I mean, literally anything, let alone how well our podcast does, but it is one of those sad facts of life yeah we get more uh listenership and more visibility if you do more reviews so much in fact that we are willing to give out free hoodies on rare occasion that we get a certain amount of reviews i'm thinking uh once we get up to 75 we'll pull another name out of the hat yeah i think that's a good number yeah i like that number Currently, we're at uh, 56, something like that. If you want to be a viable candidate to win the hoodie yourself, you have to write a written review. Yes. If you just give us stars, we'll count that in the number of the amount of reviews that we need to do another drawing, but you will not personally be viable to win. Right. Anybody who has ever written a review for us is a viable candidate, unless it's me or a couple of our close personal friends who don't want our merchandise. We will redraw if they win. And as always, remember, if you write a review for us, we will send you a free sticker. You get free stickers. Like, seriously. Stop forgetting that you get free stickers I and just, claim your free stickers. There, There's so many people who have not said anything to us about their reviews. And, and then take pictures of all the weird places that you've put your free stickers. Actually, yeah, I totally want pictures of people putting our stickers places. Do illegal things with them, but don't tell them that we told you to. I mean, not too illegal. Yeah. Like, don't do immoral things. Immoral and illegal are two entirely different things, usually. Uh, obviously, on the Venn diagram where those things overlap, <laughs> don't do that. Right. That's a bad idea. Yeah. All that's right. That's a very bad idea. Yeah. But, I mean, if you want to, like, put your sticker in a library book and then not return it, I support you completely. You know. <laughs> anyway... On with the show. It's yeah. time for a synopsis. No, it is not time for a synopsis. It is time for me to inform you all that we will not be doing a Crystal River Sam omnibus. That will happen another time because I'm a lazy asshole. Now what time is it, Rex? Now it's time for a synopsis. Good plan. Joshua. What are you doing, Joshua? Laundry. Dirty laundry? Yes, airing my dirty laundry. All by yourself? <laughs> yes airing my dirty laundry 
all by myself. Well, it's taking forever! Yes, it's taking a literal eternity, I noticed. It's almost like time is frozen. How can it be frozen? The dryer is literally steaming with under things tumbling. <laughs> I want to say I love your hair, Joshua. <laughs> Did you get it cut? Here, let me touch it. Ouch! Goddamn static. With my Febreze spray, I will stop the pain. Oh my God. Uh, the anti-static formula, of course. <laughs> well, you look very handsome, Joshua. You should show your little girlfriend. Isn't it your anniversary soon? <laughs> sure, sure. The anniversary of breaking up like two years ago. You need help, Joshua. I need help. You need help. Oh, wait. You're me. I created you. This is one big cry for help. I'm basically Norman Bates. Well, today on Angel... <laughs> <laughs> it's the classic end-of-the-world type trope, but this time the host, also not yet known as Lorne, drops by to tell Angel about this guy whose future he read, and he didn't have one. Turns out he's a quantum physicist on the brink of a dangerous discovery regarding the stoppage of time. This gives Angel some much-needed one-on-one time with the closest thing he has to a therapist, which he desperately, desperately needed. So Angel gets to air some dirty laundry and get the poop off of his chest, whilst simultaneously and narrowly saving humanity, and quite possibly existence as we know it, from a sad, lonely man trying to keep his girlfriend from leaving him in the creepiest way possible. Meanwhile, Cordelia, Wesley, and Gunn are getting their sea legs as they start up their new branch of Angel Investigations without the Angel. The end. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. Competition is a beautiful thing. So we open up to, I'm assuming the hotel. Doesn't really give us any sort of establishment. Yeah, Angel's somewhere. Yeah. He's staring out of a window. I'm sorry. Angel doesn't stare out of windows. Angel doesn't have adjectives or verbs. Just replace them all with broody. Angel broods out a window. Yes. With his eyes. Correct. Broods out the window with his eyes. Yes. Whichever body part happens to be active at the moment, that's what he's brooding with. Yep. In this moment, in this moment... In this case, it is his eyes. And then we cut away immediately. It's like a few seconds of just like him looking out the window. Correct. To some random ass office space. Yes. Where it's apparently the new office of Angel Investigations where Cordy and Wesley are cleaning up because the previous tenants left all their shit. Yeah, hard air coats on the cleaning up. They're really just sorting through some leftover junk from the last company that vacated the building. And they left a bunch of boxes of paperwork is mostly what I noticed that they were looking through. I'm not sure why they'd even bother sorting through it. Just fucking burn it. Or make hats. Right. Or fucking burn it. I'd sort through it. Throw it out the window. I'd sort through it. Maybe somebody hid money in there. Like. Not likely, though. But you never know. Yeah. I would be way too fucking curious not to want to look through every fucking bit. Oh, look. Traveler's checks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, look, unsigned money orders that... Yeah, or some sort of stocks or bonds yeah. or... Who the fuck knows? I don't know how money works. It's all fake <laughs> anyway. So 
they, they try super hard to have their signature kooky banter whilst pontificating whether or not they're up to the task of running a savior business without a savior, or rather, without an angel. And Cordelia, of course, still has her visions, so yeah. she's got that to contribute to the group. Gunn comes in, having just put flyers on all the cars outside. Yes. Oh, boy, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll drum up all that business. So he checks the phone, where all those calls are about to start rolling in any oh, second. Yeah. Except, hey, that phone's not on. Yeah, no dial tone. Remember those? <laughs> I don't. So Wesley tries to fix it. And he fails, and then the power goes out, which he had to really fuck something up because, like, the phone line is not connected to the power of a building. Yeah, that's an all. impressive <laughs> fuck up. Even more impressive was the lighting effect. I, I've done a little bit of lighting design recently, and it, it makes me think a little more about lighting in TV shows. And did you notice that as soon as the lights went out, there was the briefest, briefest delay between... The lights in the room, or what looked like the lights in the room going out, and then the moonlight coming in through what looks like blinds. I did not notice that. Because if it were actually purely what was happening, and they were just turning out the lights, it would have been purely subtractive. You would have already seen those lines of blinds with the bluish moonlight, but they definitely came up. They were a little slow on the queue. They came up after the other lights went out. Yeah, they would have had to do that because to get those to get those lines just uh-huh. like that, you'd have to have fairly bright lights. Yeah, and it was a beautiful effect. Oh yeah, but I could see the transition, so I'm like, "Get your shit together, guys! <laughs> I'm an amateur lighting designer, and I will tell you what's up. You're fucking professionals! <laughs> Christ!" <laughs> Somebody should pay me to do this hard work. <laughs> I don't. Uh, whatever. So, uh, no dial tone. Um, I Quote of the day out of the gate here from Gunn. As Wesley fucks up the lights, Gunn says, I'm so glad I met you guys. It's entertaining, really. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that line. Maybe just the delivery. Something about it was just the perfect level of sarcasm for me. Um, I perfect did w- amount of levity for the situation. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to mention, uh, Wesley's pronunciation of clientele. Clientele? Yeah. Is, isn't that Apparently, how he said it? that's the British pronunciation of the word. Of course it is. Like, they also say schedule. Yes. And aluminium. And like, I'm just kind of surprised I didn't actually know that. I'm a little surprised that I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. I'm assuming you've researched this. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I I looked it up. Well, first I looked it up. I'm because just gonna start asking, and <laughs> I looked it up first because I'm like, have I been pronouncing this word wrong this whole time? <laughs> no, we're just Americans. The the word I always think of in circumstances like this is demonstrably. Oh yeah, because to me that feels incredibly fucking wrong. It does to me too. It sounds it, like you're calling somebody a monster, right? Or like, you're demonstrifying like, something. Why why is it not pronounced? demonstratively yeah like or demonstrable yeah yeah like, uh, you, like the, that, you know the one that kills me is irreparable i mean not anymore but it did originally irreparable Ir- i was pronouncing it irreparable and i got corrected by one of my theater professors yeah uh who turns out to be a huge asshole by the way <laughs> but he, he was a uh, he knew his shit in some regards and uh 
Yeah, it's it's irreparable, not irreparable. Yeah. That's that's all there is to that. But yeah, I, I had to look it up because I'm like, have I? Per- is this another one that I can't fucking pronounce properly? Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny. But anyway, from there we go back to the hotel, the Hyperion, if you will, where Angel's going to bed in the morning, only to be woken up by singing. The faint sound of what is obviously Lorne in the lobby. Yes. I recognized his voice immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. If he didn't know that's what it was, then he's a fucking idiot. If he didn't know that's what it was, then he was never an investigator. Right. Ever. Yeah, he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> it, not why, nearly enough. Why did Lorne choose the Star Spangled Banner? Like, of it's, all the songs that you could belt out in... In a lobby like that that has such really good acoustics. From a non-meta standpoint, as a singer, I will tell you that the Star Spangled Banner, while it is cheesy and while I have some issues with how America's running in general, it is, regardless of all that, an extremely satisfying song to sing. As he was saying, some excellent uh, resonance pitches in the song that are just very satisfying to hit. I will will have to take your word on that because I am not a singer. Okay, but from a purely meta standpoint, they probably just needed something real quick that they didn't have to pay for rights for. Yeah. That they knew they could get away with or something like that. I have a question for you. Um, And they also needed something that Lauren was comfortable and that Andy Hallett was comfortable and practiced with. Oh, yeah, that's a fair point. And he'd probably had to sing that a few times for something. So I have a question for you. The acoustic effects. Uh Uh-huh. This is a set. So those acoustics are not real. Yeah, no, probably not. That's one of those things we uh, we had questions about a few episodes ago, and neither of us were sure, but we know now that it was definitely a set. Yeah. Completely a set, not a real hotel. And it The just, exterior is real, interior yeah. is all set. Right. But I just, I find it interesting because, like, the amount of consideration you would have to do to make sure that the the acoustics of a singer in a room that should have, like amazing acoustics oh well you're assuming that they did these effects practically they could have easily just fixed it up in post right to sound echoey to me it seems like it would probably take a lot of consideration because the amount of and granted i'm not a sound guy but the amount of echo that was there and everything felt right yeah like it it felt the appropriate level for the room that they were in and like for the size of the room and assuming that everything was probably made out of granite and concrete with wood paneling and tile and and, and just a lot of different hard surfaces yeah yeah that's not going to absorb all that sound and it's going to echo around like that honestly it probably wouldn't be that difficult uh because to build a set this size they're probably in one of those big warner brothers warehouses Oh, yeah. Um, or maybe not Warner Brothers specifically. Because, uh, you know, Fox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they moved over to a different network at this point, though. But, you know, those kinds of warehouses. Li- right. Literally the ones that you see in the beginning of Animaniacs. Yeah, exactly. That's actually what those studios look like. They're big pole barns, essentially. Right. And they are very echoey, and they have to pad it 
to contain the sound. It's why it's called a sound stage. Right. Because they start with nothing, and they, but they have a perfectly controllable and enclosed environment. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So it it was good sound design. Definitely. Excellent. I don't know exactly how they did it, but it's good fucking sound design. Anyway, obviously, Angel's like, what the fuck are you doing here? What do you want? I'm fucking tired. I've been up all night. And may I say, Angel is just a huge, inexplicable dick to this man, demon, whatever you want to call him, who's provided him tons of... Of extraordinarily valuable free assistance every time Angel comes to him. And Lauren really takes it in stride uh, just before he casually informs him that the world is coming to an end. Uh, You're welcome. I absolutely fucking loved his delivery. Yeah. What's what's today? uh, Tomorrow's Thursday. Ah, tomorrow night. (laughs) No, no, he said today's Thursday, tomorrow night. Yeah. But I also like that it's an in-joke because Angel aired on Thursday Airs nights. on Thursday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even pick Just up Just like on the it. in-joke in Buffy during one of the songs in... Dawn's uh, in Trouble Must Be Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's funny. I, damn, I wish I'd caught that. <laughs> anyway, so Lauren, Three Stooges is out of there. Whoop, 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 whoop. And opening sequence, which I will not be meowing at you like a cat today appreciate that i will save it for another day i don't want to share my feelings i don't want to open up i want to find the guy that killed tina and i will look him in the eye then what then i'm going to share my feelings we open back on the hyperion hotel where lauren is calling angel out on being a shitty host and for just being really dumb and firing all of his staff. Yeah. I like that he points out to Angel that his aura is beige. <laughs> uh, what do you say? Your look is really dark, but your aura is beige? Yeah, something about him getting darker and darker, but your aura, surprisingly, is beige. Hmm. Which is a pretty good description of him, because, yeah, he's really just an emo kid. Yeah. I feel so bad inside. You guys don't have a clue what I've been through. (laughs) You don't even know. As confirmed later in this episode. That's... He's just dealing with some teen drama shit, basically. Whatever. Oh, my girlfriend. I have to kill her again. No, blah, blah, blah. There's a big team of high-paid lawyers after me. Yeah, there's a team of high-paid lawyers after all of us. I mean, that's accurate. They're <laughs> <laughs> data mining all of us, selling it, whatever. They don't care about us. Anyway, Lauren recalls to Angel the previous night how he found out that the world is going to end, complains a bit about his new bartender who can't make a decent sea breeze to save his life. Boo-hoo. You're never going to find a bar that has actual grapefruits. You, right. Doesn't he own the place? Presumably. Fucking hire somebody and specifically tell them to stock fresh fruit then. This is your fault, Lauren. I completely agree with that. Like, when he when he first was like, oh, this sea breeze is... I was expecting him to complain about the proportions being off. Right. Or not having a certain spice or something in there. But no, he's just like, you have to use fresh grapefruit juice. Yeah. I'm like, ah, get over yourself. Well, when, when he first mentioned the sea breeze, I looked it up. I'm like, 
because I I paused it and I didn't realize that he was about ready to explain what was all in a sea breeze. <laughs> um, but I looked it up and I'm like, it's literally three ingredients. What are you getting so bent out of shape for, Lauren? Yeah, he's forlorn. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Fairly certain there's an episode called Forlorn. I'm sure there is. But yeah, he explains that this super bland guy got up to sing the song all by myself and then he passed out. It literally knocks him out. He plays, they do this thing where he makes it sound like, oh, he knocked me out. Like he was really good. And then he's like, no, he knocked me out. Literally. Also, though, the dude was singing pretty well. He wasn't bad. He wasn't amazing, but it wasn't he, bad. He was a lot better than I could do. He was a lot better than most of the singers that they put up on stage yes. in Caritas. Definitely better than Angel. Definitely better <laughs> than the demon who was singing a duet with his fucking... Parasite? Parasite is what they called him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. So, yeah. Singing all by myself. Knocks out Lauren. Uh, not because he was good. He was liter- uh, But it turns out he explains it's because... He literally could not sense a future from this man after 10 p.m. tomorrow night. I I don't get throughout this scene anywhere any strong reason given why it's specifically this man in particular, because he then goes on to say and explain that nobody has any future after 10 p.m. tomorrow. Yeah. But let's just say that Lorne knows because Lorne knows because he's the clairvoyant one here. So we'll take his word for it. Uh, that's an easy one to explain away. At this point, who the fuck knows how his goddamn powers work? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he has to hear people sing to read their minds, for fuck's sake. Or not even to read their minds, to read their fortune. Yeah. And their minds, in a way. And their minds. It's a little bit of everything. His powers very vague. Yeah. They have to find this guy, of course. And Angel's being a dick some more. And apparently, he doesn't really trust Lorne because of the couple of dodgy experiences he had with Lorne's advice... Which he claims was in good faith. But I mean, look at him. Look at him. He's green with horns. <laughs> How could you not trust that face? Fuck you, Angel. Anyway, Angel asks why the guy <laughs> left without waiting to hear Lauren's read on him. And I'm like, oh, gosh, Angel. Maybe it's because he doesn't know because the guy left before he could talk to him. <laughs> like, that question made zero sense. Oh, I, right. I hate it when people are like, well, why did they do that? I don't know. How the fuck am I supposed to know why somebody else did something? Especially when I'm, like, complaining about what somebody else did. Right. They're like, well, why did they do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Why am I about to choke the life out of you? Hmm. It's a complete fucking mystery. You tell me. I bet you won't understand my motivation, will you? And then the police are going to say, why did he choke the life out of you? And he, and you're going to be like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? That's really how that works. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, Angel points out that maybe the guy wasn't actually there to see Lorne and get his future told. He was actually just there for karaoke. Could have just been a karaoke bar lizard. Yeah, that's a thing. Because as we find out, not too long from now, there's like nobody in this town that doesn't know that demons exist. Right? It seems like, to me. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, maybe he just sings karaoke at demon bars and doesn't know anything about demon psychics. So now they have to check all the karaoke bars in LA. Great idea. Yep. Cut to... Some fucking school somewhere. Yeah. University where, you know, it turns out that this guy that Lauren saw singing is a physicist. 
a quantum physicist. Yes. Mm, specifically, um, it, a, well, so it starts out with his co-workers talking about him. They're up in this booth. And I swear to God, how well do you remember Wayne's World? Exceptionally well. Do you remember the sound booth when they started uh, recording in a studio that wasn't Wayne's basement or Wayne's parents' basement? I believe so. They were they're up in this booth and Wayne's grabbing the microphone, going and messing with shit, and they're like, "Don't touch that, guys!" And then they anyway, this booth and this stage looks to me exactly like that set. It could be. It could be. I mean, it was made. Well, okay, it's several. It's at least five years later, right, from but, when it was filmed. But that doesn't mean that they. I know they reuse sets all oh, the yeah. time. Um, so no idea. I didn't bother to look it up if that's actually what it was, but it looked very similar. And I think it'd be really neat to find out if that was the same set because there's an actor in this that is also in Wayne's world. Yes. A little bit later. I have a whole bunch to say about him. Cool. And, uh, so anyway, we're, we're, but we're still talking about the coworkers. This one guy calls him uh time boy and he's like, he's really not as smart as the rest of us, or he's not that much smarter than the rest of us. And she's like, yeah, well, maybe you should try thinking sometime or something. I don't fucking know. So what? I just want to say to this dude, okay, maybe he isn't that much smarter than the rest of you, but he he fucking understands quantum mechanics better than you, you fucker. Yeah. There there can be two people who are completely 100% even keel on how intelligent they are and be completely in the dark at what the other one is doing. Shit, there's people that can be less intelligent but still better at something than you because they're putting more work into it. Yeah. So this guy's just being a butthurt little douchebag. Oh, yeah. And this woman, his co-worker Val, puts him right in his stupid place. And she's like, hey, dude, I don't know what your name is. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) And so so they're talking about entanglement. She goes out and she's talking to Gene. That's his name. And he's like, blah, 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 entanglement. Don't separate time and space. It's a bad idea. But what if I could freeze it? I mean, okay, maybe not freeze it, but removing the infinitesimal space-time aggregate from all that surrounds it, and then growing that event into something measurable and controllable. So, you know, freezing it with my freeze ray. I can stop the pain! I have things to say. Yeah? I understand. In a show like this, you're going to have Technobabble, the thing that Star Trek was the most famous for. Mm Mm-hmm. But this is just bad technobabble. It pisses me off. It took me a moment to realize that it was technobabble and that I should stop trying to follow it. The thing is, is they're using real terms and they're talking about real things, but they are really wrong about what they're fucking talking about. And it pisses me off because I know just enough to know how fucking inaccurate they are. And because of who I am as a person, I can't just fucking let it go. Mm-hmm, 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 but mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, but 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 Freeze Ray Rex. They me- With his Freeze Ray. He, he mentions. He can stop the pain. <laughs> he mentions Newton believing that space and time were separate things. Newton didn't really give a shit about time. but um, And then he talks about Einstein essentially finding out that space-time is one thing, which it is. Then he somehow starts talking about entangled particles, but he's talking about entangled space-time, which isn't 
a particle or entangled. And then he starts going on about how you can't break entangled particles, but you can and just... But you can <sighs> separate an instant of it and freeze time. Whoa. Like, yeah. They would have been better just making a bunch of shit up. I mean, they kind of did. They, no, they didn't. That's what pisses me off is they didn't just make a bunch of shit up. Did they use too much reality for you, Rex? They used enough reality that it fucking annoyed me because they're of how wrong they were. Like... I'm sorry to hear that. The techno babble in Star Trek was really, really good at using some realistic terms, but they did it in a way where the science was far enough ahead. What they were saying was plausible. Because we didn't have actual definitions for the right, terms. Exactly. It was... But this, this, they're basically using real terms wrong. Yeah. And like, it's... That's okay. It's sci-fi. <sighs> Science fiction. <laughs> if it upsets Rex, it's good. <sighs> so they did a real good job here, I think. And uh, <laughs> um, Val's like, how are you going to make that freeze ray? And he's like, with these lasers and some mercury. And I'm like, okay, Roddenberry. Like, no, she literally accuses him of being a Star Trek nerd. And his name is Gene, as it in Roddenberry. Gene. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, come the fuck on, whatever. A person needs certain... Designer things. You shouldn't be trying to eat my friend's brains. Hey, you're a vampire. So then his uber hot girlfriend shows up, uh, who we learn is an ex-physicist who quit physics because the math bored her. So she went to theater and I'm like, yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> um, and so they have their anniversary tomorrow and boy was, were they just an awkward turtle couple from moment one or what? Either a, they're both very good actors at being able to portray not having chemistry <laughs> yeah, or they really do not have any chemistry. Or they really had zero chemistry. <laughs> Either way it worked. Honestly, I have, I don't think I've seen a more awkward interaction between two people who are supposedly in a fucking relationship yeah it's like it was, how it was how have they been together a year <laughs> oh they probably just met like three days ago in real life yeah and <laughs> so whatever uh her, what's her name not diana uh, uh denise denise started with a d i got that right so denise and val fuck off into the ether yep they tell gene not to work too hard and uh Sometimes I write things that I'm not comfortable repeating on the air. <laughs> what, what, what was it? <laughs> Said, and her and Val are now fucking off into the ether. Ether, they tell him not to work too hard while they cheat on him together in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's not happening at all anywhere but in my head. I don't know. Honestly, they had more chemistry. They did. Than Gene and Denise did. So it's a real possibility. Yeah. All right. I'm just keeping that, that in. There's my head, Ken. All right. Exactly. <laughs> so back to karaoke bar number 17. Yes. Lauren and Angel enter a karaoke bar. The dude is singing fucking green sleeves. Green sleeves. Who the fuck sings green sleeves at a karaoke? Theater nerds. That's a 
weird choice. It is a, it's a weird it's choice. A bad choice. It's is a what very it is. bad choice. So, <laughs> but yeah, guess what? Guy's not here. Gosh, I guess we'd better give up instead of sniffing this cold trail, says Lorne in a very paraphrasing way. Yes. <laughs> and uh, cue the hot trail, which in this case is the bartender, played by Mike, Mike Haggerty. Mike Haggerty, who has a fuck ton of acting credits because he's been in fucking everything. Like almost literally everything. I, I remember him from such films as Wayne's World and Overboard and Cheers, which aren't filmed. Well, one of them's a film. Yeah. Two of them are films. Dude, one of them's a TV show. Dude, I, I just went down his fucking TV acting creds and just like pulled the the iconic shows. Yeah. Fucking Cheers, Married with Children, Family Ties, Star Trek TNG, The Wonder Years, Seinfeld, Friends, Angel, ER, Desperate Housewives, Monk Community, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Jesus. And do you know what he's most credited as? Bartender. The bartender. Yep. Five times he was credited (laughs) as a bartender. And like all, more than half of his credits are insert blue collar job here. Bunch of blue collar schlubs. Exactly. Yep. And... He does it so fucking perfectly. Yeah, even Overboard was specifically about a blue-collar schlub, uh, not him, but his best friend, played by Kurt Russell, who gets into a relationship with a... God, such a rapey movie. (laughs) (laughs) It is. With a woman who has amnesia, but she's actually really rich. It's a a late 80s, early 90s rom-com. Yeah, it's rapey. Which my mom fucking loved, and I've seen it eight million times. Have you ever have you ever uh, noticed that pretty much almost any single rom com, if you gender swap the two main characters, it turns it really fucked up really fast. Or if you just look at it from a modern perspective. I mean, yeah, that too. But, yeah, but it's also like way terrifying if you j- swap genders. Usually. Like, have you seen the movie While You Were Sleeping? <laughs> uh, even the title's creepy. I don't. I, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember Sa- at all what it's stars about. stars Sandra Bullock, and this she works for a subway system, and this dude, like, falls into a coma, and she, like, saves his life from being run over by a train, and then, like, gets him to the hospital, and to, like, keep up with him to see if he's okay... She lies to the hospital and says that she is his girlfriend and then meets the family and then continues on with the lie. Hmm. And then he wakes up and he doesn't remember her. So everyone thinks it's just part of the coma. (laughs) And then he asks her to marry him. Oh, that's so romantic. (laughs) And she falls in love with his brother. What? No. And then she, she goes all the way to like... About to go through with the wedding, and then she finally comes clean. Does she end up marrying anyone? I don't recall. Or getting together. I don't, I don't remember how it ended, but, like, <laughs> I just remember, like, that's one of the... You just described a really good movie, Rex. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> but, like, it's super fucking creepy. That's a little creepy. And this was, like, a big deal romantic movie. And if a man did that to a woman, that's, like, uh, super not okay. Yeah. 
Like, even in the 90s, if you gender swapped it, it would have been, like, completely taken differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rom-coms, not good. They aren't yeah. good. I mean, but again, even if you look at Overboard and you, if a woman took advantage of a man who had amnesia, I don't know. The whole movie had that really schadenfreude-istic sense about it like fuck rich people and i can get on board with that a little, yeah but <laughs> honestly i'm like no poor woman take advantage of a of a rich white asshole who has amnesia i'm actually down for that i'm <laughs> yeah i kind of that's an interesting ethical conundrum <sighs> anyway on, with, on with minus the, the sex that's yes. rape yes that is a hundred percent rape um, in either gender scenario, yeah. any gender scenario, there's no real consent there. Right. Um, they are mentally ill. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Mike Haggerty. Cool guy. Cool uh, guy. Explain, explains to Lauren and Angel. Uh, well, first, he's in the know. Like, he, he knows that Lauren's a demon. Oh, look, Not demon. freaked out by him. Yeah, we don't get the, too um, many of them around these parts. Woo. I think he even picks up that Angel is a vampire. He must have. Because... He apparently knows when vampires are trying to pass as human. Yeah. But he actually knows the karaoke guy. He knows Gene. He's seen Gene. And I love the bit where they're trying, they're getting information out of him and asking him questions. And uh, quote of the day here. So Lauren, Lauren asks him a question and, and to get Mike to answer, Angel says, he says, oh, you know, he's a demon. Better do what he says or... He might talk your ear off. Oh, yeah. And was, I just... It was cute. It was cute. And I liked the look that Lauren gave him. Because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, how dare you? But yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Andy Hallett, such an expressive, amazing actor. Yeah. Um, it's, even with all that makeup on. It's, yeah. re- it's really impressive. <laughs> but I love this. Lauren has him sing with the image of the the dude in his head mm-hmm. so that he can pick up on it and see if it's if they're talking about the same guy. And yeah. that's like that's a really cool use of the power. That's a damn good skill to have. Yeah. I'm like no wonder they're kind of sort of replacing Cordelia's powers with Lauren's powers. Yeah. And they're replacing Wesley's usefulness as a hunter with Gunn's usefulness as a hunter and fighter. Yeah. And then we just have Cordelia and Wesley basically as administrative assistants with lots of supernatural experience. I mean, Wesley's transitioning more to investigator, honestly. Yeah, that well, especially in this episode. Yeah. But in general, that's true. But it kind of leaves Cordelia in the, what, secretary? Uh, moral support? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's a problem that this show has over Buffy is there's just no strong set roles for any of the characters. Like it's all a bunch of like mismashed kind of yeah and, intermingling uh chemistry here. But and like I, I'm all for development and changing roles. Oh yeah. But it's just not happening in a satisfying way. Right. And I feel like yeah everybody's got a great role now except for Cordelia. Anyway, we'll get there. To finish up this scene, Angel's just squeezing the bartender and with very little effort uh, manages to get a tidbit that they have a few regulars that are student types. Lauren verifies that it's him with the image in his head, like you said. And uh, I'm singing for he's a jolly good fellow. 
Yep, which was kind of an awkward singing of for he's a jolly good fellow, but Lauren did a great job of making him feel good about it. Yeah. And that's that's what I appreciates about you. Yeah. Lauren, I mean. And you know what? Mike really should like keep working on that novel. Yeah. You know, get out of them blue collar jobs. Absolutely. <laughs> and he could be an okay singer if he really went for it. Uh anyway, they they got the information they need. They're headed to the university. Cut to the university. Where Gene Time Boy, if yes, you will. Time Boy attempts to use the machine that he's built, but it doesn't work. Mm. Yes. Well, he, he, he does some math. Yes. And then he fires he, he the just, laser! Yeah. Drips I, a little bit of mercury into it. Yeah. Sorry, Time I Boy. Think it was mercury. No, it was mercury. No, because it showed it, the liquid going up the tube. And it, it wasn't. They called it mercury. He's specific. I'm positive. Mercury. Anyway, even if I'm wrong, it's some sort of magical substance that he's supposed to be able to drip into this laser field and it'll freeze time around this glob of whatever the fuck it is. Fairly certain it's mercury. It seems like a really arbitrary thing. Yes, which is why I said it so mockingly. It it makes no fucking sense why he would choose Mercury as opposed to a ping pong ball or a cat or his own penis. I don't know. Anything. (laughs) Um, Well, I can think of a lot of reasons why you might not want to stick your dick in that. Or your whole body with your girlfriend that's about to break up with you. I don't know. Just spitballing here. But yeah, sorry, time boy. No Star Trek magic tonight. (laughs) Maybe tomorrow. Almost certainly tomorrow, actually. As is wont to happen on a semi-regular occasion, I mean, this this has happened to all of us. As he leaves, he forgets to say goodnight to his pet droopy-faced black-eyed demons. Yeah. As we all know, they tend to hold grudges against humanity when you don't kiss them goodnight. Yeah. So uh, they help him out by changing his math for him a little. Oh, and um, they think of humanity as a pestilence and infer that it came from nothingness, and therefore they're just going to stick it right back in that nothingness hole and hope that it goes away. That is a strange favor to do a man whose species you categorically hate, but, <laughs> eh, plot you know, holes. What are you going to do? The fuck, the, these fucking lubber demons look like they are just in need of a really good sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is the, that is the equivalent of the makeup on them, but they are also all dressed essentially as Colonel Sanders. Yes, they absolutely are. Like, <laughs> I, they, they all just look like they own a ma and pop shop restaurant <laughs> and they're on dialysis <laughs> and they have no employees and they they're need, doing it all themselves and they need to take some vitamins. <laughs> it's a 24 hour place and they have no employees. Drink water, get a nap. <laughs> I don't know. Make Maybe some, just choose death at that point. Make some friends. <laughs> yeah, probably just death. Go for the death, really. De- definitely death. <laughs> There's nothing so lovely as dreams. Everything's in them. Everything hidden. Open those chambers and you can truly understand someone. Cut back to Lost Angel-less investigations. Huh? Huh? That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. They're lost and they're angel-less. Yeah. And they're investigations company. Uh, yep. Next morning at the new office, 
uh, where and it sounds like Los Angeles. Yes. Just making sure. I got it. You got that. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Just wasn't quite that funny. That's fine. Okay. Can we move on now? Please do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So Cordy is trying to be a optimistic here, but this is not the time or place. God damn it! Like. Like, this is the time for sadness. And the Scooby 2.0s react accordingly. Yeah. It's um, quite perfect. No, they, t- they tell her to just sit down, just stop. Uh, quote from Wesley here. He says, sometimes you need to wallow. Let the depression settle in silently. <laughs> and they all just sit at their one desk together. And they're just waiting for death. Well, that's perfect timing for Wesley's rich, attractive girlfriend to show up and liven things up a bit. Now, why the fuck isn't she just funding them? She's loaded. I don't know. Right. Whatever. Uh, probably some stupid pride thing or worse yet, a bullshit plot hole. Not exactly an emporium sized plot hole, but nevertheless, uh, obligatory quote of the day from Gunn here. Yeah, and don't try to tell us there's no way to go but up, because the truth is, there is always more down. Right. I appreciate that. that I is, do, that I do is too. good pessimism. Um, before that, before that though, there was an exchange I didn't want to highlight, uh, because she comes in and notices they're all sad and everything, and Wesley's like, oh, you just caught us in a moment of, well, reality. And her response is, oh, that, I avoid that. To which Gunn replies, how do you avoid reality? How do you think she avoids reality, Gunn? Money. Money. Money, 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 money. Because the only people who can avoid reality are rich. Yup. That's that's really what money is for. Yeah. Yep. That's why we only get scraps. But yeah, her her response is, money, it cures everything but boredom. And food cures boredom. Yeah, that really hit hit a mark for me, too. Yeah. She was pretty spot on. Also, man, this woman just has everything. She has a case for them. Yes. Which is almost as good as just giving them fuckloads of cash. Because all they have to do is get rid of a demon for some rich fuck who will then give them fuckloads of cash. Yeah. Hooray. Another obligatory quote of the day to Cordy here. We'll do it. We'll do anything. Oh, that's so sad. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> and then she can that line continues but that was just the yeah. funny part to me virginia moves to call the client to tell them that they'll take it <laughs> and west but the phone doesn't work <laughs> another quote of the day here um it's kind of a collective quote of the day wesley yeah. says uh sweetie no phone cordy says also no lights gun says and there's a funky smell totally missed opportunity here for gun to finish with no motor car huh huh no phone, no lights, no motor car. Not a single luxury. Like Robinson Crusoe, ah. it's primitive as can be. The fucking Gilligan's Island theme. Ah, but I don't think it really would have worked because I'm pretty sure they all have cars. Gun doesn't strike me the type uh, as to have watched any of Gilligan's Island ever. Oh, sure. That's one of those little things that they could throw in there for some... For some what? I watch Gilligan's Island some bullshit like I mean, that like i've seen i've seen a few episodes of it and i did not i did not pick up at where think, you were going with i think that. they could subvert character expectations slightly to make a joke yeah. about him watching gilligan's island but yeah it's definitely not his it thing would, 
if they put a Gilligan's Island reference in it without literally putting a fucking sign on it, I would never get it. <laughs> yeah, probably not. That's okay. Anyway, there was a Gilligan's Island, Island reference there, and they totally missed it. So they're off to kill a demon. Yeah. We're off to kill the demon. <laughs> the stupidest demon of Oz. I don't know. So uh, we cut back to the university. Correct. The lab, if you will. I did. Where Gene returns to find the new equation. And he doesn't question that it's not the equation he wrote down. Yeah, they sure do cut through the plot. I mean, shit here. Yeah. Uh, he immediately sees it and is like, oh, I'm going to try this. And he plugs it into his device. Yeah, none of that pesky mystery solving here. Just plain old immediate recognition of a completely different mathematical equation that Gene didn't write. He knows he didn't write that. Yeah. Don't tell me he didn't know that. There's no way that somebody who, like, this is his fucking life's work. Yeah. There's no way that he wouldn't immediately know that that's not the equation that he wrote down. Yeah. And he fucking runs to the computer and starts plugging in the the new equation as natural as if it were apple pie served in a crock. <laughs> yes. I mean the plastic shoe. Not the animal. But frankly, it would have made okay. it equally as much sense. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the same thing <laughs> but yeah you know fuck normal shit let's just punch new magic mystery numbers right into this fucking computer attached to a giant magic time laser <laughs> with a dispenser for time timey wimey mercury coming out of it <laughs> let's see if we can't suspend that mercury in time and space lasers Get on it, cowboy! You're wasting time here! <laughs> anyway, Gene plugs him in. It works. He's like, is this a yeehaw moment? And then, like, he, you know... Gene votes yeehaw. Yeah, he votes yeehaw. And he goes, running from the building, because yeehaw. Yeah. Leaves everything on. He really is a cowboy. Yeehaw! <laughs> he fucking looks like an excited golden retriever. With his fucking head out the window as he runs across campus. He's obviously running to, like, go tell his girlfriend. Sure, yeah. But, like, how the fuck does he know where the fuck she is? Yeah. Probably shouldn't have left the extremely volatile, brand new singularity yeah. running like, unattended in the lab. They mentioned it's a particle accelerator. Like, yeah. that seems like a thing you shouldn't leave on. Yeah. It also seems like something that shouldn't be allowed to be fiddled with by... Just a single person in a lab. Well, I guess he's got... They're not really yeah. his co-workers so much as his classmates, I guess. Right. But yeah, he... Uh, so he's he's running like a, a big, happy golden retriever. Cut to the library. Cut to the library where Lauren and Angel go in to try and do some research. Um, Did you notice? Lauren uses here, as they enter the library, it literally the same joke... That they did with Anya while she was driving with Willow during the episode with the ogre. No, I didn't. Angel says, where did you learn how to drive? Lauren says, just now, in your car. Not bad for a beginner, huh? Is that the same line? It's not the exact same line verbatim, but it's the same joke. It's, in essence, the same joke. Yeah, I do recall that much. Because when Anya was driving, Willow's like, where did you learn how to drive? Right here. Right now. How am I doing? Something like that. I don't remember what she said, but it's the same right. fucking joke. Yeah. It's a recycled joke. I mean, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with recycling jokes. There are no new 
ideas. How the fuck has Lorne lived in L.A. for however long and has never driven a car? I don't know. He probably doesn't get out much aside from his own bar. Have you ever been to L.A.? No. You have to own a car in L.A. You can't... Like, L.A. is fucking massive. And it is not like New York where they have fucking subways and, and buses that you can get fucking everywhere on public transportation. L.A. is huge. Mm-hmm. And you... As evidenced by there being 17 karaoke bars right? at least. The population of L.A. is nearly the same as the state of Oregon. Woof. L.A. is huge and you have to have a car. And I do not buy that Lorne has lived in L.A. without a fucking car. L.A. Unless he has a fucking driver. I'm from L.A. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway. <clears throat> Fuck you, California. Unless you're listening to our show, in which case we love you. <laughs> and the show takes place there, so yeah. therefore it's cool, right? I mean, I I love I love California. I do not like LA. <laughs> <laughs> I hate California. Have you ever heard that Jonathan Colton song? I have. <laughs> That's a good one. Anyway, uh, they're at the library to get information. Angel, you know, obviously Lauren's like, oh, I I need to lay low. I'm all green and horny. And Angel's just like, oh, we'll just pretend you're a school mascot. Oh, did you also catch where the writers specifically told you and me to shut up with the next lines, which established that Angel was riding in the back seat covered in a blanket because it's daytime? Yes. Yeah. And that, I caught that. If you slow it down <laughs> and play it backwards. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have to play it backwards? Yes, if you slow it down and play it backwards, what Angel is saying is, Rex and Josh, shut the fuck <laughs> up. That's what it's, yep. And you can quote me. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, um... Angel goes to the info desk to get information, comes back with a big old stack of books, happens to be yearbooks and other periodicals and such, for like published works or some Something shit Something like about that. staff publications. Do they have fucking yearbooks at colleges? No, not that. Well, maybe, but not like high schools do. It's not like required... I mean, they might. Uh, I mean, my my college experience was all of like community college. Yeah, like so, like I awesome fuck semester I know. of community college. I I don't know. I really don't think. I mean, nowadays, of course, we just have Facebook, right? So maybe that's something they used to do. But sure, let's suspend our disbelief and say yeah. the colleges have yearbooks. From there, we cut to outside, somewhere else on campus, where Val and Denise are sitting on a bench talking. And Gene, of course, psychically knows where they are because he comes running up to tell them the good news. Sure. Well, maybe maybe he keeps a tracker on her. I mean, yeah, I buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Way before, what are those, Apple Air tags? Right. They, they probably, I'm sure Apple stole those from this guy. <laughs> he invented them. I mean, shit. Yes. He invented the fucking freeze ray right. that Dr. Horrible eventually also steals man, from I, him. Now, this is canonically, this man is canonically that's Dr. What it is. Horrible. It's not Mercury. It's Wonderflonium. Wonderflonium. You He's, got it. Yeah. It's better than Mercury. Mercury's too volatile. Yeah. Honestly, you don't want to aerosolize that shit. Probably not. <laughs> Mercury poisoning is a thing. 
Yeah, somebody told me that one time. <laughs> I was hoping for some demon fighting tonight, but I wound up with a delivery job instead. If I come back here on the end of a spatula, I'm expecting some serious workman's comp. I'm just messing with y'all. Anyway, he comes walking up behind him, overhears their conversation where Denise is confiding in Val about their relationship and how he, she is going to break up with him. She's super unhappy with Gene, definitely going to break up with him after a sympathy bone tonight, after he makes her dinner at his place. I love how she's like, makes it sound like such a whole huge thing. He's got the whole thing planned out. He's making right. dinner at his place. I'm and like, then we're oh, have no. Like dinner and sex. That's that's a hell of a plan. Yeah. I'm like, is that not every night? You're you're are like, you not living together? You've been together a year, I guess. All right. That's admirable that they're not just jumping right into the live together boat. Yeah. After being together a year. Whatever. So uh, it, the whole thing's a little forced and awkward, but yeah. So Gene, of course, overhears uh, all of this from the stairwell right behind them, and he slinks away. So, and this was the moment where I realized, I was like, great. We literally just found the entire source of the plot of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. <laughs> A singing physicist who can freeze time and has been scorned by women because he's a boring nerd. Got it. Make sequels. Print it. And written by the same fucking person. Same fucking source. Damn right. This is literally where they got Dr. Horrible. This is Dr. Horrible's origin story. I believe it. Uh-huh. Cut to the library. Lauren and Angel are digging through books, and hey, look, they found them. It didn't take them that long. Oh, look, after two tries and five minutes, Lauren finds their physicist guy. Yep. Angel is very put out that his very first try did not yield flawless results. Yes. What an asshole. Because as we all know, investigation only matters if you can find immediate fast results. Exactly. And really, I'm just being an asshole here because what they did in the scene, Angel shows Lauren a book and he says, is this our guy? It is not, replies Lauren. And Angel's like, ugh, and all put out. And yeah. I just like to think that that was the very first thing that he right. pointed at Lauren and said that. Because <laughs> he's just such a broody, broody boy. No, I imagine, like, every couple of minutes, he's, he basically he's turning a page, points at a dude. Is, is that, that our guy? Is that him? Turns a page. Is that him? No. Ugh. Is that him? And every no. time. Every time he's like, ugh. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Look, I know Lauren's a demon, but he's also a fucking saint because he is putting up <laughs> so much shit from he Angel. really is. <laughs> Angel's being such a child for several episodes now. Yeah. If not, like, the entire show. Oh, God. It's, it's a whole thing. It, it's pretty fucking special. Anyway, they happen to find him. Yep, there's... The one that Lauren finds immediately after Angel's first suggestion is yep. him. Hooray. Angel goes and chats up the library clerk about Gene. And, uh, hey, he gets directions uh, from the library dude over to Gene's private laboratory. But then the library dude looks startled while his line of sight goes to behind Angel. And he's like, what is that? Angel assumes he's looking at Lauren and he's like, ah, it's just the new mascot. Uh-oh. 
It's a lubber bubber. <laughs> lubber bubber? Who whacks him in the back with some sort of sharp looking, but probably actually very dull weapon. Actually, it's a weapon we've seen before. Oh? Remember... Is it the one that Buffy wields when she's in the hell dimension? Yes, it is. Really? Yep. And guess what it's called? A hunga munga. It's a lubber that, bubber. It's a, a lubber, lubber demon wielding a hunga munga. It's a lubber bubber hunga munga. Yes. Excellent. Hunga munga. Hunga munga. Uh, fun fact, it is a central to southern African weapon. It's based on a real weapon. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Okay, good for them. Cut to Gene's lab <laughs> after Angel gets knocked out, or yep. it looks like he gets yeah. knocked out. Gene looks at a picture of him, uh, of himself and Denise, yeah. and then back at his time laser mercury diorama. Uh, okay, it's it's an actual. I like to think that it's just a little cardboard diorama <laughs> that he imagines really well. <laughs> Is a working time singularity. He's sitting there with cardboard boxes going, and now I'm going to use Wonderflonium. Wonderflonium. <laughs> and like the fucking incel he is, he says, so I'll give her the kind of love that lasts. <laughs> Man, he really needs to work on the laugh. A lot of guys forget the laugh. <laughs> Do you need me to make something kind of... Slightly moist. <laughs> I can do that. Bad horse, bad horse, bad horse. He's bad. Okay. Uh, anyway, haha. <laughs> good plan, Einstein. <laughs> no, seriously, what an asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, scientists fucking breaking physics. Yeah, I'm going to exploit this brand new discovery. Over a relationship gone south. Yep. A relationship that has only been going on a year. Not even a good relationship. It's awkward as fuck. Right? And if he can't tell that she's not just not that into him, he's not yeah. paying attention. No, he's really not. Either that or he's missing some social cues. Yeah. And just might need some assistance with that. But... Meanwhile, back to the library. Yeah, back to the library where Angel is fighting. There's some fighting going on. Well, Angel and Lorne is kind of trying to help. Is he? Is well, he? He sings, or no, sorry. Not he, yet. He says something to the demon to distract him. In his own language. Successfully distracts the demon and then throws a very large book at him, but misses and hits Angel. Honestly, I think he does this on purpose. <laughs> he throws the book at Angel's face because he fucking deserves to get hit. But, you know, I can back that idea. But Lauren doesn't want to risk making it look like he did it on purpose during a normal interaction. So he just, he's very opportunistic and smart and quick. Love him. Love yeah. him. So anyway, the demon runs off. Lauren, or the host, as we still know him. So the demon runs off. Yep. And Lauren says he must not have believed him when he said, we come in peace in his own language. Turns out Lauren knows that this dude is a lubber demon, which are, as he puts it, a fanatical sect awaiting a messiah who will usher in the end of all human life. And he goes on to say, a lot of your demons don't yak about it in mixed company, but it's a pretty popular theology in the underworld. I'm glad we were there to get all that information. Yeah. Handy. <laughs> Handy that. Angel is confused about their motivations and presumes that Gene must 
have them protecting him or something. So they'd better get to Gene's lab fast to find out what he's going to do because he's clearly some sort of evil mastermind. Yes, that's the only possible explanation. Correct. Well, duh. So, yeah. <laughs> but also, they only have until 10 of fucking clock tonight, so they need to get fucking I mean, moving. Yeah, also fair. Uh, so we go back to the lab where Gene's, like, singing to himself as he's, like, Futzing with the machine. From this point on, we do a lot of cutting back and forth. Oh, to, it is way too fucking much. To Gene and whatever's going on with Angel and Lauren. But it, Gene I, is right now in his lab, packing up, moving all yeah. of his shit, and then later, just very shortly, yeah. he's in his apartment. So, yeah, I don't think Gene's thinking entirely clearly here. No, he doesn't seem to be. He seems a little, uh, a little disturbed as he's singing... All by myself. To himself. Yes. As he sets up his equipment, pointing at his bed and sets a rose on it like a fucking perv. I mean, genius. (laughs) Perverted genius. Why not both? Why not? (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) One does not preclude the other. Clearly not. I mean, I think he might be demonstrating all the qualities that she doesn't like about him. (laughs) <laughs> at this very moment never yeah. mind seriously yeah he's he's acting very hollow and a little bit sociopathic this is how serial killers are born never mind that he goes to bars all by himself and sings all by myself even though he has an amazing girlfriend right but clearly he doesn't know what to do with her maybe go to therapy bro maybe if he shared his love of karaoke with her yeah she would you know they would be able to connect why isn't she going to fucking karaoke with him no idea that is not something that people are who are in healthy relationships do i mean okay maybe it is but then they don't get up and sing all by myself personally personally i think going to karaoke in and of itself is its own red flag (laughs) Um, but that's just my stance. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Whether you do you're you. going as a couple or as a, with a group of friends or yourself, that's just a red flag. <laughs> Rex is also a bad person. Bear that in mind, everybody. So I just don't like karaoke. I know. That's, that's the real takeaway here. Anyway, back at the lab, Angel and Lorne arrive to find that Gene and the equipment are all gone. And the other student is there to, you know, go on about the all, whole situation. All the timey-wiminess of it all. Yeah. I have a bone to pick with the writing in this in this scene. Because the this other student... Mike. So Mike is explaining to Angel and Lauren that what Gene is doing is impossible. But then, immediately after saying that it's not possible, he goes on to explain... Exactly how it will all go wrong. In detail. As if, like, it's not a new technology that was literally just invented today. Yeah. Like, how the fuck would Mike know anything? Like, if Gene is the only one who was smart enough to understand what the fuck is going on, and even his equations weren't enough to actually accomplish this, how the fuck does Mike know literally anything about what it will do when it's, like, left on? I don't know. I glossed over it because as we discussed it earlier, it's a it's a tough spot to write through. And uh, I thought they did it passably. But 
not so well that it's perfectly immersive. It was well enough for me to gloss over and forgive. Right. But, yeah, definitely not remotely immersive. Yeah. I think I think what would have worked better here is Mike explaining to them that it was a particle accelerator and particle accelerators are dangerous and that if the particle accelerator is not used properly, something really bad can happen. Mm-hmm. And going that route and not explaining precisely how the fucking time bubble works. That is purely theoretical. I, ooh, just had this idea. I think it would have been neat if he had been all in a panic because he saw the board with the new equation on it and understood it. And instead of saying, nobody's ever been able to do the math, but this crazy psycho pulled it off. But I rechecked his Mm. equations, and while they might work, they have this nick in their armor where it could be easily exploitable. I okay yeah something along those lines. I could, I could totally accept that. I could accept that. That would have been that would have been a much better way to take. Yeah, it. and you know, pepper techno babble. Yeah, in among with it. And you know, obviously something like this, we're gonna have to fucking have techno babble. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, that would have been much more believable than him literally saying this isn't possible, and then knowing everything about how the it's, fucking thing. It's works. impossible. Here's how it's possible. Yeah, is basically what he did. Yeah. But they didn't expect anybody to actually sit here and pick it apart. Well, they're idiots. If you <laughs> play this part backwards, too. And he says, no, really? Go fuck yourself, Josh and Rex. I'm with Wolfram and Hart. Everybody should have a lawyer like this. Mr. Winters shall never be convicted of any crime. Ever. Should you continue to harass our client, we'll be forced to bring her in the light of day. I want that stricken from the record. The place I'm told is not all that healthy for you. Anyway, they decide that Gene must be at his apartment, so they're going to go to Gene's apartment. Yeah, like you do. Let's all and go to Gene's apartment. Let's all go to Gene's apartment. They, they, they happen to know exactly where Gene lives. And so have ourselves a snack. Hey. So then we get... There's definitely some leftover dinner. I'm hungry. I am as well. (laughs) So we get this lovely scene where uh, Lauren and Angel are driving down the road. Angel is driving because it's nighttime now. And they kind of have a nice heart-to-heart moment. I expected this driving scene to be a nothing scene. And then they made it a more than nothing scene. And I'm like, damn it, now I have to write shit down. So Lauren gives him a nice pep talk. And gets Angel to fucking talk about his problems for a change. Fucking finally. And not just go all fucking fine. Murdery, quiet, broody, throwing knives at the fucking dartboard or whatever he was doing. It's like, good God, man. You seem to have had some pent up emotions. Yeah, I think you've got some trauma you need to work <laughs> through there, buddy. All right. All righty. Does but that yeah, sound good? He, yeah. he goes on a long rant about. You know, how he has to repent for sins, but he's never going to repent for sins because, you know, that's a lot of sin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, he tried to save his girlfriend and then, oh, the evil lawyers turned them back into vampires. Yeah, I've got bullet points here. Yeah, go right ahead. I thought it was great how Lorne led into this. He said, so 
dig deep and tell me honestly, would it be so terrible if the world ended right now? Angel's answer is silence, which is ominous. And he's like, well, that's a shitty place to be. So next bullet point, you've pushed your friends away. You went from helping the helpless to hunting down the guilty. Blood vengeance is a luxury of the lesser beings. You're a champion, Angel. I mean, you were at least. So reeling them in slowly here. Lauren is actually really a fucking expert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed, this is what he does. He gets exactly out of Angel what we've been needing to get out of Angel for a long time. Yep. Angel finally opens up and he's like, well, I'm stressed out by Wolfram and Hart. I've got 200 fucking high-priced, highly intelligent lawyers after me just trying to drive me crazy. And everybody's wondering why I'm upset that it's working. So he's also upset that he has to kill his ex-girlfriend after she didn't get her chance at redemption, which Wolfram and Hart also fucked up for her. He legitimately believes that he did a favor for Wesley Cordelia and Gunn by firing them. You know, it was one of those, I'm doing this to protect them. Yes. And Lauren's like, well, don't try to rush things. You're going to get everything that you want, unless, of course... We don't get to this apartment in time, and then you'll be stuck in this crappy mood forever. Oh, hey, look out for that demon. Look out for that demon. Hey! And then they hit a demon. It's a lubber bubber. And yep. they get out and look because, you know, they couldn't tell by the characteristic raccoon eyes. Yeah. And I mean, it is L.A. <laughs> Could have just been an old man <laughs> who owned a restaurant. Yeah. Across the street. <laughs> um, some kind of pancake house. <laughs> probably sandwich shop i don't know yeah anyway he they hit one they stop the car they get out they look at him and just then a fuck ton of them come out of the goddamn woodwork it's a trap i counted maybe six i don't know it seems like half a dozen yeah at least half a dozen and they're surrounded and mm-hmm. like you said they're all this is where i noticed they're all dressed like the fucking kfc guy <laughs> those <laughs> fucking ties <laughs> that's what it is i mean it's not exactly like the kfc guy right because they're wearing black. But they have white dress shirts and those fucking... T- the, they have the KFC ties. It's the ties. That's yeah. what does it. Oh, well. Cut back to Jean's apartment. Yep. Denise comes in. Jean, yes. uh Jean is just a certifiable fucking sociopath. Yeah. He's like... Pretty fucked up. How fucked I'm just like... Fucked I- up? That's fucked up. Yeah. I'm like, how could you do this? She clearly doesn't love you. She thinks you're boring and she hates math. Dump that bitch. That's your best shot here, man. You've got a rare opportunity to dump her before she gives you the sad pity talk and leaves you feeling like a piece of shit. You don't need pity sex. He's a vaguely attractive man, but he's really taking the creepiest route here that he possibly could. He should have jumped out and immediately confronted her. Well, yeah, but you know, (laughs) that's not the fun route. Like, he's not an ugly man. He's intelligent. He's obviously going to have some money from a very lucrative career in quantum mechanics. Oh, yes. And the man can sing. Well enough, yeah. Better than a lot of fucking people. But instead, he decides to freeze himself in an infinity loop with his girlfriend that hates him because she's hot. And I can't live without her because she's hot. Good fucking plan. Whatever. Fucking incel. I'm done with this guy. Right. Fuck this guy. Cut back to the mansion. Well, cut back to a mansion. A mansion. My note was Rando Manor. Yeah. Where Gunn pulls his self-made axe out of of a, a demon. Like you do. Yeah, like you do. 
And then, <laughs> I, I love this scene. Because Wesley pulls an outright Sherlock. I fucking love it. It's the quintessential uh, murder mystery going down all the facts of the, the case in front of the whole family. And it turns out it wasn't the butler. It was the ant. Yep. Yeah, he plays a rousing round of Clue and openly pontificates the possible motivations of each individual family member uh, who would possibly want to control this demon to murder the eldest son of the family. Eventually, he turns to Aunt Helen, who runs but is stopped by Cordelia's mere presence. Since, I mean, she didn't look that geriatric to me, but <laughs> I guess she was. I mean, it's it's not like the police are there. Right. She's not necessarily going to go to jail. She'll probably just get kicked <laughs> she, out of the family or something. You know, written out of the will. Exactly. Like, depending on your lifestyle, that could be pretty devastating for right? someone of that age. Yeah. Maybe like, what all... is she going to do? Go get a job? <laughs> <laughs> nope. I, I doubt mean, she has any skills. <laughs> maybe they all hated the oldest son anyway. Right. Maybe she's the hero of the family. <laughs> and she just didn't want to take all the credit. Seems likely. <laughs> The point is, though, it's actually kind of impressive. The three of them, they are exactly the kind of team you'd want in a circumstance like this. Because Cordy has the social suave. She's going to give you the straight talk, yeah. too. And then Gunn is is the, the muscle. Mm -hmm. And then Wesley is a hell of an investigator. It's also good extra muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they can all handle themselves decently in a fight. Yeah. They don't fucking need Angel. Fuck they're, that. They're an excellent specialized trio. Yeah. Yeah, fuck Angel. Nobody needs that fucker. That broody, broody, beautiful bastard. <laughs> Cut back to the street where, speaking of Angel, he's fighting off a whole pack of lubber demons. Yes, and hey, Lorne is helping. Yeah. He, he gives hope to every asshole that ever chose to go bard because he uses his power <laughs> of super high-pitched vocals to stun his enemy and then kick him in the balls. Yeah. You know, lucky that these demons have testicles. I know, right? Now tell me if I'm out of line here, but I feel like that one could objectively say that his fighting style is the gayest technique I've ever witnessed. <laughs> it is... And that I mean that in a completely right. Like there's a flamboyance to it. Yeah, there, there's a flamboyance to it. It's totally effective. It worked. Like it's totally. Effective. I'm not knocking it. You know, if I could hit, if I could hit a pitch like that, I'd go for it. Don't knock until you've tried it. Right. What a man does behind closed doors, <laughs> his own damn business. I mean, honestly, though, if I if I tried to sing in a fight, it would just make it worse. <laughs> Then they'd have a more reason to beat my they, ass. They would just hit you harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But man, he really does hit a squealy note. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like that canonically he could hit a note so high that he's probably breaking glass. Right. Cut to Gene's house at We're the dinner table. The most awkward goddamn dinner ever. Yeah. Seriously. How have these people been together for a year? Right. How the fuck did they make it a year? No wonder he's so excited about their anniversary. Nobody's ever stuck around that long before. Honestly, uh, I think it would have worked for me more if they were they were less awkward in their interaction in the lab. If they were less awkward there, it would have made this work. But this just feels par for the fucking course for their relationship. It really does. When, like, it... 
ought to be worse in this circumstance because Gene knows that she's going to break up with him and he knows that he's going to trap her in a frozen time for eternity. It really just feels like an arrangement that she got bored with. Right? Yeah, she's like, well, you know, I needed somebody that made me feel safe and had money. No, they they, they started off as fuck buddies and then he turned it into a relationship. Right, and then yeah. she just wasn't He was a rebound. It. He was nice, but... In kind of awkward, and I thought it was sweet, but now I'm just over it. it kind of thing, whatever, you know. You know. You know. <laughs> but yeah, Any anyway, it is the most awkward, painful fucking scene. Seriously. Quick cut back to outside of the car. Lauren jumps into the driver's seat as Angel hops in the car after knocking out the last lubber bubber. <laughs> back to Gene's bedroom. Where it's sexy time! Ooh, a sexy, sexy, sexy time. Naked, naked, naked time. Denise commences with the final pity fuck by rather abruptly just taking her goddamn shirt off. After smelling a rose and going, oh, it's so sweet. Well, <laughs> we're getting down to the wire here. It's the final countdown. <laughs> Don't sue us for that, please. <laughs> Yeah, we get some back and forth cuts to sexy time, fighty time, sexy time, fighty time, sexy time, fighty time, sexy time, fighty time. Sexy fighty time is the best time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Angel and Lorne uh, find a door that a lubber blubber demon yep. is guarding, which must be Gene's apartment. Yes. And uh, they're probably not wrong because there's not much time left on this episode. No. <laughs> back in Gene's bed. They fuck. Gene turns on the eternal fuck machine. And it works. Yeah. They're trapped in an internal fuck. Fuck you. What? You're supposed to pull me out of that. You get, How? You gotta step in there. How? You gotta do something. I don't know, use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> so the eternal <laughs> machine works. Anyway. And then we're in the You basement. know, I will say that Gene is lucky that it doesn't kill them instantly. Because <laughs> yeah. he didn't test it. No, he didn't test it at all. <laughs> Except on some mercury. Right. I'm sorry, Wonderflonium. <laughs> Which I really think canonically is just his new name for Mercury. <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> Mercury is boring. I'm going to call it Wonderflonium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm evil. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible laugh. You, you really need to, more. need to work on that laugh. And it really. Ha ha ha! Yeah, from the diaphragm. Ha 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 ha! I can hold a note for a long time. <laughs> Actually, I can hold a note forever. But eventually, that's just noise. It's the change we're listening for. The note coming after and the one after that. That's what makes it music. Anyway, uh, Angel fights and busts through a window into the basement where the computer and the emitter ray things are, I guess. Yeah, that thing. Um, and there's a demon there who's playing with the laptop and making it, making the field grow. Yeah, Lubber Demon types in some mathy math and uh-oh, the time freezy field, it goes biggy big. <laughs> oh no! 
Those are scientific terms. Yep, you damn right. I really <laughs> needed to step in and make some corrections there. Um, <laughs> all your amateur hour shit here is driving me fucking nuts. <laughs> fucking pedestrian. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, the fight goes on, and one of the lover demons is like, oh, I'm going to jump and kill Angel, but the bubble gets him, and he's frozen in time. Yeah, and, this bubble is expanding, uh, and one of the... <laughs> the first thing that we see that it cuts into, the most embarrassing thing of all, is a man sitting in his apartment, <laughs> alone, looking so pleased with himself as he pours a bottle of beer into a glass. Who does that? It wasn't Guinness. Right. There's literally no other beer that you should be pouring into a glass at home. I particularly love beer out of a bottle. I, oh, yeah, exactly. I thought you were like, going to say you liked it out of a glass. I get that, but there's nothing wrong with drinking I mean, it out of, a, out of a bottle. Beer from a keg, draft beer, is ideal. Yeah. If you can get nitro, even better. But if you can't get it at a bar out of a keg, fucking drink it out of the bottle. Yeah, what are you doing? Like, you're just being pretentious now. Yeah, Honestly, you're, you're losing carbonation out of the beer by pouring it into the glass. Exactly. You know what? Subconsciously, that's what it was. I was like, you're just making it worse. Yeah. Like, it's it's perfectly drinkable right out of... It comes in a glass. <laughs> it's already in a glass. It comes in its own drinking container. <laughs> it comes in pints? <laughs> I'm getting one. All right. This is why we are Ale with Angel and Beer with Buffy, everybody. That's your boozy part of the show. <laughs> anyway... Angel pulls the plug. The field shuts down. You know, also, luckily, the field doesn't, like, just stop. Yeah. Angel first politely beats the shit out of a couple lubber bubbers. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, he's got a job to do. He's got to beat the shit exactly. out of them. Exactly. Like, like, it's not personal. Uh, I just hate you. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, one of them gets stuck in the ever-enlarging time singularity. Yep. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I mean, timey-wimey bubbly boy. <laughs> Angel leaps over and unplugs the power supply or whatever it is. I don't know. Anyway, it works. Yes. Yay. Everything's reversed. Yeah, and that would have been a then she breaks up with him. Yeah. <laughs> we need to talk. Damn it. I avoided it for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they wouldn't know how long they were in that field. I would, you know, I wouldn't think so. I was wondering how that would work. Like, did she even know that they were in a time bubble? Oh, I bet she didn't even pick up on it. Huh. Which, you know, good, because she would have every right to murder him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, also, that would have been a pretty boring eternity. Not necessarily right? for them. I mean, that yeah, would have been like, a horrifying eternity for her. Like, <sighs> Once she realizes, I was going to break up with this fucker, but this sex is taking forever. Like, I get you know the first hundred years i thought was a fluke <laughs> but this last couple millennia is really starting to gnaw at me i can understand the thematic aspect of this of like i'm gonna stop time and make this moment last forever but like it's not like you get to experience that moment of forever yeah it's not like we're in you you still have a human brain that is locked to the forward flow of space time like, yeah. like, our perception cannot go backwards in time, and if time stops, our perception stops. Seems likely. Yeah, it's more of a... What's the point? It's more of a poetic gesture, I right, suppose. I guess, yeah. 
<laughs> it's it's not like Fringe. You saw Fringe, right? Well, yeah. Where they get stuck in the amber, but right. that's not stopping time. Right. That's literally just preserving them in amber that they can sur- somehow survive in and be fully conscious. God, that sounds like hell. The entire time. Yeah, it sounded like torture to me, too. I think they eventually get everybody that's trapped in amber out of the amber, which is neat because they all get their loved ones back. I'm Wow, I'm really ruining plot points. <laughs> if nobody here has watched Fringe, go watch Fringe. It's yeah. an amazing show. It is a very good show. I honestly think it might be one of the best TV shows that ever happened. Sci-fis. Best sci-fis. It's like everything X-Files should have been. I will give you that, but like I watch, I love sci-fi. I've seen a lot of fucking sci-fi, and I don't. It's know not the I greatest could... drama, but it's the best sci-fi. It made me mm. all tingly, the same way that Back to the Future did when I was a kid. There is absolutely nothing that will, in my eyes, trump sliders. I've always loved the idea stuff. of alternate dimensions. Yeah, and that's what did it for me. Um, well, and I mean, Sliders is the same. And again, I, I really don't want to ruin too many plot points or get too sidetracked here, but fucking watch Fringe. Oh, my God. So after the breakup, Angel and Lauren are sitting at Gene's table with Gene, and he is actually quite sorry, apologetic, that he did not realize that anyone else but him and his girlfriend would be trapped in the bubble. Yeah, with his uh, magically appearing fucking mathematical equations that he had no idea where they came from i had no idea that it would do something nefarious uh this is where we get the lorn quote that is in our music yeah that was Um, fun to see that pop up yeah if lorn can hold a note forever is this a supernatural power or a physical of his species? Because maybe it's not a supernatural power. Maybe it's just an aspect of a species and they have a lung setup that allows them to inhale and exhale simultaneously. I was going to say, I bet he can accordion his lungs or he can use one lung at a time or he has more than two lungs or or all of the above. Right. Or some weird weird combination of the above. I like the idea that that's just his species. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just an aspect of his species. I think that's cool. That is, yeah. You know, I didn't think about that. Also, I mean, he obviously doesn't mean literally forever. He'd have to stop and sleep sometime, maybe. I don't know, maybe. Presumably. Presumably. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Ah! But (laughs) (laughs) he, uh, he, for some reason, Lauren expects Angel... To be the one to empathize with Gene here over his failed relationship. I mean, he kind of does. He just goes dark. He just gets real dark real fast. We expect nothing less of Angel. Yeah, I mean, Lorne, you've been with him for hanging out for over a day now. (laughs) I think you should understand that that that's where Angel's going to go with it. Love. It's (laughs) like a fire that burns you. And it turns your bone to ash. Okay, let's go with a musical <laughs> analogy here. That's a you know that's a really good try, Angel. You're you're connecting. You're connecting yeah. with people. That's progress. Yeah. And, and hey, why don't you keep working on that novel too? <laughs> and Gene offers them a beer. And Angel would fucking love a beer. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? He has a soul, after all. I think anyone here, anyone here who needs a beer, it's fucking Lorne. <laughs> absolutely well 
Lauren's probably a, a highly functional alcoholic, <laughs> and I'm surprised he made it all day without a drink anyway. But uh, I liked Angel's comment here about you know, when Lauren was impressed that Angel is connecting with a human. He says, well, the guy's a disaster at love and nearly destroyed the world. I can relate. Ha <laughs> ha, they tied yeah. it together. So Angel admits he made things hard for the Scooby 2.0s. Yep. Quick weed and flip to the Scooby 2.0s not having a hard time. Growth. Growth and character development. Ah, Fucking finally. Yeah. <laughs> I, fi- I mean, a few episodes ago, it felt like we were finally out of the slump, and then they fell right back in. But yeah. this one, it's given me hope again. Yeah. Um, but more on that in a moment. Back, back to, to the new office to a party. Back to Lost Angelus Investigations. I'm going to call it that until Angel <sighs> comes back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a party. Yay, party. Party, 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 party. And then a client comes in and he's like, hey, I need your help. I didn't mean to interrupt your party. and But they're like, oh, we still need money. So, yes, you should give us your money. We we'll care you. about people. You should definitely interrupt our party. For things because we care and then he's like well okay which one of you is angel and west replies oh it's just a name which it is at this point currently just a name because there is no angel that is correct gerarg ger fucking arg is this for me i must be ready i need my strength strength give, give, give me more nights i shall give, walk in the You've got something here. So how'd you feel about this episode, Rex? Uh, mixed. Mixed. Um, I absolutely love Lorne. I, I, <laughs> I love Like, Lorne is such a great character. Such a great fucking actor. Super pleasant to be on, this, on the screen. Great offset from the one-note broody McBruderson that Angel has been that I'm just fucking done with. Definitely. Outside of that, and outside of the, like, nice snippets of the crew that, you know, they got some good things going on, it was an okay episode. I mean, it was a creature of the week, and the creature was kind of dumb, but there was good character development, and Lauren's always entertaining. That's about what I got. Yeah. I you know, I thought it was a fascinating concept that the uh, the Buffy and Angel verse continue to come back to. Obviously, the big bad for season 6 is the one of the best examples I can think of and the the entire character of Jonathan. Right. These uh, it's a very freaks and geeks vibe. And I, I like that they're giving attention to these types of people, but I'm not necessarily certain that they're doing them a whole lot of justice. Right. I, I would have to agree with that. Or, or or making them particularly relatable. In fact, if anything, they're just making them look like toxic incels with with zero opportunity for redemption. Right. With zero redeemable qualities. And, uh, oh, I mean, not zero. Yeah, he's super smart, but he's still a douchebag. Right. Like, it, there isn't anything He there. seems super nice. There isn't anything there for us to feel like there there is no there's no shown redeemable quality of him as a character that makes us like empathize with his situation in the least and he's just doing a skeevy fucking thing. It is very because, skeevy. Like the right thing to do 
arguably would have been the boring thing to do. Yeah. And it would have just turned this straight into a teen drama and instead of uh, a sci-fi supernatural thriller drama, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't know. Fun concepts, though. And obviously ones that they've come back to with Jonathan and the the gang from season six and Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. There's something about these characters that we can all relate to, but also find inherently not okay. Right. And maybe we'll put our fingers on what that is someday. I don't know. I, I think it's dangerous to empathize too hard with them. Right. Especially since I don't think they're particularly well written. We seem to keep <laughs> running into these everymans that are actually just toxic dead ringers for yeah. whatever. We got into all this deep horse shit last episode. Okay. So I have a theory that I want to throw at you. Yeah. See how you feel about it. <clears throat> I think Lauren lied to Angel. So, the whole buildup of this entire episode is essentially Lorne having the time to fucking essentially poke Angel with a stick till he breaks. Till he fucking opens up and he actually, like, gets in touch with his emotions and actually starts to address some of the fucking problems. And I'm hoping that this will lead to Angel, like, actually making ground and, like, things getting better but like i i suspect that lauren saw all of this in his future vision not that everything stopped but i suspect he saw enough to where he knew that if he fucking went and got angel they could have stopped it and that was the point all right then why did listening to this guy sing make him pass out i don't know (laughs) but i I think Lorne, whether intentional or unintentional, knew what the fuck he was doing when trying to get Angel engaged in this. Yeah, maybe. I don't 100% understand what his motivation would be for that. I mean, yeah, he likes to help people, but... Well, because Angel's supposed to be a champion, and he's not being very champion-esque right now, so... I would. I think that Lauren is probably just trying to get him to fucking pull his head out of it, out of his ass. He sees potential, and he doesn't see a lot of hope for demon kind and humanity moving forward without Angel's help. Yeah. So yeah, he sees potential in the man, and, and uh, he sees him having a rough time. And also, if someone doesn't get Angel to pull his head out of his ass, the world will come to an end, and then there go the sea breezes. <laughs> No more sea breezes. Yeah. I I mean, I think he, he absolutely could have and probably did understand the long game of getting Angel's head back in the game here. But I, I don't think he lied to him about the potential end of the world. Okay, fair. Because <laughs> unless we can find some canonical way to explain away the him passing out and not understanding it, he seems very genuine. I, I don't think he's that yeah. skeevy. Like, definitely when he sent him off to see the the Swami. Yeah. Right. I think sometimes he does below board things because... I mean, he, he sent him off to the Swami. That was definitely a, like, looks, look, kid, you're bothering me. <laughs> Go away. Here. Here's an errand. Go do that. Yeah. The, sometimes the ends justify the means for him, but I don't think this was one of them. And also, I'm curious to see what his reasoning is 
Because I know he eventually starts living at the Hyperion and just becomes one of the regular crew, yeah. which I think is going to happen real quick like here. Can't fucking wait. It's going to be very nice to have him in the regular dynamic. What makes me realize is when we were talking about the, the roles of the different characters, I think I get what the problem has been with this season is they want to introduce more characters, but they don't know how to transition from the very small three character dynamic they had in the, in the first season to expanding to an ensemble cast like Buffy mm -hmm. with Buffy. It's always been a larger ensemble cast with this show. It hasn't. And I think that's what is fucking it all up and why they can't figure out what the hell they're doing with it. It's part of it. And we've still got Fred on the way as well. Bef yeah. Before oh, we've God, got... I cannot fucking wait for Fred. Before we've really got our choice full Angel yeah. 2.0 cast yeah. of Scoobies, definitely. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, it's an okay episode. I I will be very, very happy if it leads to actual good episodes. Yeah. It, it felt like good development... There was potential. There was a lot of potential here. A lot of potential here. Different shit happened. I appreciated it. Stuff and things. Do you got a quote of the day? I might have a quote of the day, albeit slim pickings here. I'm going with uh, the one that I thought was the funniest, because that's usually what I go with. When Cordelia was interacting with Virginia, and Cordy says, We'll do it. We'll do anything. And Virginia says, Oh, that's so sad. Anyway, <laughs> I just really liked yeah. Virginia's delivery on that. It was funny. I'm actually going to go uh, with one of Gunn's lines in the same scene. And don't try to tell us there's no way to go but up. Because the truth is, there's always more down. You know, I was considering that one my, myself. It's so true. Because... I thought you were an optimist. Well, I am. I am. But I had to interact recently with a lot of my family who actually has money. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go in this direction. I was grateful for for that fact. But... Uh, there was a lot of, like, worry on my part of just, like, the potential conversation about, like, whoa, well, Rex, what are you doing with your life? And, you know, like, I don't make much money. I don't live to make money. I don't pick my jobs based on how much money I'm making necessarily as long as I can, you know, pay enough or as long as I make enough money to live. I don't really care. Money doesn't motivate me. And I've been broke and poor most of my life. And... Nothing I hate more than if you're feeling a bit down because you're broke mm -hmm. and somebody with money comes along and says, oh, it's not that bad. You just got to be positive. You only, can only go up from here. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If not working, you're dying. I, yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. You have too much money to know what the fuck rock bottom looks like. But yeah, so, the the point is, I chose that line because I've been feeling that line a lot lately, and it just feels right. Ditto. <laughs> Hoping we get some sunlight and some exercise soon. Yeah. Because, boy, I need it. It's it, not completely the solution, but, you know, it helps. It is April 18th, the day we record this, and it fucking snowed! Yeah. You know what the real solution is? <laughs> Living wages, <laughs> single-payer health care, forgiving student loan debt, our taxes actually working for the people. <laughs> Let's get super political here. This has been another episode of Ale with Angel, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. 
we have a merchandise store. It's at www.beerwithbuffy.com shop. Guess what? If your name happens to be Cubby the Seal, like actually for realsies, but not for like legally, or you know what I mean, then you have won a free Beer with Buffy hoodie. Get in touch with us. I'm sure you'll figure out how. And we will figure out how to mail that to you for free. And you know how they did that? They did that by reviewing us on iTunes. You can too. Just go to iTunes and review us. Preferably leave words if you want to be a part of the next drawing when we reach 75 reviews on iTunes. If you'd like to support us financially otherwise, head on over to patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always get a hold of us. We have an email at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com, and you can leave us a voicemail or a text at 269-743-0783. Big shout out to JJ Treadway for all our closing, opening, and transitional music, and especially the <laughs> opening of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, composed entirely of cat meows. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Meow, 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 I will start meow, throwing shit at you. Keanu Speed Rex. Speed will be with you. Whoa. I make allowances for your years, but I expect a certain amount of responsibility, and instead of which you would enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs> done why are we watching this <laughs>